0: You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth, air hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like that a lot. Yeah! The Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Now, here's your host, radical Russ Bellville. We love
1: it.
2: Good day, Tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Friday, December 4th, 2015, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Congratulations, everyone. We made it to the weekend once again. And what a glorious day it is for me. I don't know if you were uh, watching football last night, but uh, what a fantastic football game last night. So happy! Go pack, go! Loving it, loving it! Go pack, go! That's right, the Green Bay Packers, uh, my team. <laughs> what an amazing finish last night after, after a a uh, hook and ladder play that uh, was going to end the game and send us to seven and five and really almost kill our uh, best playoff hopes. There was a face mask penalty. Aaron Rodgers gets one more untimed down and a 61-yard Hail Mary touchdown pass to win the game with no time on the clock. I was jumping up and down. You can actually uh, go to my Instagram account, at Radical Russ, and, and see just how excited I was last night. It was such a good time for me. Ah, eight and four feels good. Both my uh, Green Bay Packers and my uh, Boise State Broncos are eight and four. So that's good. Let's hope both of them get at least one postseason win. Coming up on the show today, all sorts of marijuana-related things that we have to talk about. And we've got two guests joining us in the first hour today. At the end of the show, we're going to have a Reformers Reader segment where we're speaking to Joshua Sheets. He's the author of a new book entitled Homegrown Marijuana. He's going to tell us all about how to get our little garden growing. So stay tuned for that at the end of the show. Before that, at half past the hour, some cannabis news Chronicles with Doug Ross. He's been on the show before. He is the director of A Normal Life, a documentary film in which I am a uh, participant. In fact, uh, since I'm in A Normal Life with Ray Manzarek, it puts me just three degrees away from Kevin Bacon kind of cool. And uh, he'll be joining us to talk about Maryland's medical marijuana program and he's trying to get a dispensary out there in Maryland and all the hoops and hurdles he has to go through. We'll talk about that at half past. Before that, we're going to have a chance to get into the drug war data mines where there's a new report out from the General Accounting Office, Government Accounting Office, the GAO in Washington, D.C. reporting on the five-year progress of the drug czar Based on the drug czar's own goals, and guess what? It's a major fail for the drug czar in trying to reach even their own goals. Big loser, the drugs are, except for one area. There's one area in which the drugs are has succeeded, and it'll be kind of ironic when I tell you what it is. And uh, before that, we'll get into behind the headlines. And in the headlines today, we're taking a look at an op ed in New Mexico that laments the U.S. Border Patrol's actions against card carrying medical marijuana patients in that southwestern state. We'll talk about that. But uh, before all of it, we start everything off with the Cannabis Radio News. And in the news today, we've got uh, a important appeals court decision coming out of the state of California. We've got Illinois medical marijuana patients losing their Second Amendment rights when they shouldn't. We've got Oregon's congressional delegation asking the U.S. Postal Service for clarification. A journalist in Morocco who has been jailed. And a Texas woman who's the daughter of a DEA agent... You'll never believe. This is the
0: Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: You'll never believe what happened to her. Uh, We're back after this.
3: The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges.
4: People are sick
3: and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change bernie sanders husband father grandfather an honest leader building a movement with
5: you to give us a future to believe in
6: i'm bernie sanders and i approve this message
5: gondrepreneur.com your guide to the cannabis business world gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
0: It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This
2: is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December fourth, two 2015. Citing state protections for marijuana cultivation, a California appeals court struck down Fresno County's criminalization of marijuana growing. Adopted in 2014 and amended this year, Fresno's law prohibits the cultivation of medical marijuana and marijuana dispensaries in all zoning districts and classifies violations of the ordinance as both public nuisances and misdemeanors. The ordinance also limits the use of medical marijuana to qualified medical patients at their homes. Given California's extensive statutory scheme addressing crimes, defenses, and immunities relating to marijuana, state Supreme Court precedent dictates that the medical marijuana program prohibits law enforcement from refusing to accept a medical marijuana identification card as protection against arrest for the possession and cultivation of specified amounts of marijuana, the court found. While the court found Fresno's misdemeanor classification preempted, it rejected the challenge to the county ban on cultivation. The Compassionate Use Act and medical marijuana program do not expressly restrict local government's authority over land use, the panel found. Nearly two years after Illinois decided medical marijuana users shouldn't be prohibited from owning guns, several patients received letters from state police telling them their firearms cards were being revoked. Although the agency insists the letters were sent to just four people before the mistake was corrected, some cannabis supporters say the error signifies an underlying ambivalence about medical marijuana in the 23 states where it's now legal. For example, a checklist for firearm owners on the Illinois State Police website includes this requirement, quote, I am not a medical marijuana patient registry cardholder, end quote. That, too, was an error that a vendor is now working to remove from the site, Illinois State Police spokesman Matt Borwinkle said. Illinois law does include a general protection of patients' rights, said Chris Lindsley, legislative analyst for the Marijuana Policy Project. Members of Oregon's congressional delegation this week asked the U.S. Postmaster General for a detailed explanation of a Postal Service policy prohibiting mailing material that contains marijuana advertising. Senators Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley and Representatives Earl Blumenauer and Suzanne Bonamici, all Democrats, signed the letter to Megan J. Brennan, the U.S. Postmaster General and CEO of the Postal Service. The letter comes days after a regional Postal Service official warned a Washington newspaper owned by an Oregon company that it is a felony to mail material that includes marijuana advertising. The Oregon Newspaper Publishers Association forwarded the federal advisory to its 100 or so members this week. The group's executive director said the association strongly discourages Oregon newspapers that rely on the U.S. mail for delivery from accepting, quote, any type of marijuana advertising, end quote. The officials asked, quote, what discretion does a regional postmaster have in enforcing or implementing these policies, specifically in states where marijuana is legal, end quote. A Moroccan journalist has been arrested for his role in a television documentary on cannabis trafficking in his country, the head of the website for which he works, said Thursday. Mohamed Drisi Kamili was arrested on Monday from his family home in Casablanca. Kamili had not taken part in filming or editing the documentary, but had provided figures and information for the documentary made for France's Canal Plus, which was broadcast on November 18th. The documentary unveils the alleged implication of police and the Coast Guard in the smuggling of drugs to the European continent. According to the International Narcotics Control Board, Morocco is one of the world's top producers of the cannabis resin, while Reporters Without Borders in March condemned, quote, the constant harassment of the independent press, end quote, in that country. A 19-year-old Texas woman arrested on drug trafficking charges is the daughter of a Drug Enforcement Administration agent's, agent, officials said Wednesday. Police cuffed Sarah Fure on November 6th after officers said they found 31 grams of cocaine, 126 grams of high-grade marijuana, 29 ecstasy tablets, methamphetamine, and 60 doses of an LSD-like drug in her bedroom, according to the College Station Police Department. The Death and Taxes blog revealed late last month that her father, Bill Fure, serves as a DEA supervisory special agent. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December 4th, 2015. I'm Russ Belville. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis business ADE and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com.
0: The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009.
2: Welcome back. And in behind the headlines today, we're taking a look at an op-ed that appeared in New Mexico. Uh, this is in the Albuquerque journal and it reflects, uh, a problem that, uh, we have talked about before on this show. And it is the problem of the border patrol that we've got here in America. And I wrote for this, uh, I wrote an article for this, uh, for high times long ago, but, uh, just give you the details of the op ed. They're, they're discussing how uh, medical marijuana patients in the large cities of Las Cruces, or uh, sorry, of Santa Fe and Albuquerque, uh, are pretty safe when it comes to their medical marijuana use. But if you're down in Las Cruces and you're on the interstates, either Interstate 10 or Interstate 25, you're going to go through a U.S. Border Patrol checkpoint. And the Border Patrol checkpoint. Uh, is run by, of course, federal cops who do not believe or understand or have any uh, jurisdiction that recognizes medical marijuana. They just see it as an illegal drug. So when they stop you at the uh, checkpoint, according to the op-ed here, they talk about uh, Raimundo Marufo of Deming, New Mexico, says he faces potential felony charges and confiscation of their medication every time they drive through. Uh, he's... Uh, he's written a complaint to the federal court saying if he's asked if he's carrying illegal drugs and he answers, yes, he could get indicted for federal drug smuggling and he answers, no, he could get prosecution for lying to a federal agent. So in his request, he's asking that border agents should cease questioning us citizens regarding medical cannabis in any States where the use of medical cannabis has been approved. And so the, the border patrol and, and, you'll find that uh, a lot of the arrests and work that the Border Patrol does has more to do with the war on drugs than it has to do with illegal immigration or stopping terrorists from crossing our borders. A lot of this has to do with marijuana and drugs in general, confiscating uh, the cash that is being carried, confiscating equipment, asset forfeiture that is uh, behind a lot of this. Now, the Border Patrol is empowered to operate checkpoints. Now, you'd think a border checkpoint would be like at El Paso or like the border, right, where someone's crossing the border. But Border Patrol agents, for the longest time, had the right to go within 50 miles of the border and have checkpoints. On the theory that someone gets across the border, they're still close enough you might want to catch them, right? That 50 miles uh, after... I'm sorry, it was 100 miles, excuse me, uh, I think was increased to 150 miles under one of the Patriot Acts or something like that. But whatever it is, within 100 or 150 miles of the U.S. border, federal border patrol agents can stop you, confiscate your marijuana, treat you as a felon, because any possession of marijuana can be treated as a felony at the federal level. And remember, when we're talking border patrol, we're not just talking... The border with Mexico, but also the border with Canada, that entire 3000 mile border with Canada within 100 or 150 miles. And I forget what the exact number is, is federal territory where the Border Patrol can work and all U.S. coastlines. So the entire West Coast within 50 or 200 miles and the entire East Coast within 100 miles and the entire area around the Great Lakes, of course, So that means that at least two-thirds of the residents of the United States live in a place where you can be detained without cause by the Border Patrol as a so-called Border Patrol checkpoint. And even if you're in a West Coast state or a Northeastern state where your medical marijuana is legal, even if you're in the Pacific Northwest where your marijuana is legal, whether it's medical or not, does not matter. Border Patrol can seize it, charge you with a felony. There are 71 permanent checkpoints. 32 of them are down there by the southern border and a few of them in New Mexico. And they have roving checkpoints. They can actually set up roving checkpoints as well. This is, I, I hope this man's complaint can go somewhere. And, and we're starting to have more uh, understanding at the federal level that there needs to be some lenience here. Uh, leniency here. Uh, I would hope that this would somehow come under the uh, the congressional ban on spending money to interfere with the implementation of medical marijuana laws. So maybe Congressman Rohrabacher could get on this and tell the Border Patrol to back off on medical marijuana patients. Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school. But I think a lot of people out there would be... To- surprised to learn how their border patrol money is spent how their anti-terrorism money is spent their homeland security money all these sneaking and peeks and no-knock warrants that are mostly used for the war on drugs and not for terrorism yeah we'll open some people's eyes to that happy 420 mountain time zone i'm going to take a break we'll be back with drug war data mining
0: You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show.
8: MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out MJWellness.com today.
2: Arguing for the end of adult marijuana prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It is even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more in this edition of Drug War Data Mining. All right, for the Drug War Data Mines today, we take a look at the GAO... The Government Accountability Office and their new report that has come out citing Office of National Drug Control Policy lack of progress on achieving national strategy goals. (laughs) This is GAO-16-257T, if you want to look that up, GAO-16-257T. And according to the report, the GAO reported in March of 2013 that the Office of National Drug Control Policy, the ONDCP, a.k.a. the Drug Czar, and other agencies had not made progress toward achieving most of the goals in the 2010 National Drug Control Strategy. Every year, the uh, Drug Czar's office puts together a Drug Control Strategy and they'll have all these goals that they wish to achieve, you know, looking at a five-year sort of plan. Uh, and in the strategy, the drug czar established seven goals related to reducing illicit drug use and its consequences to be achieved by 2015. So seven goals to be achieved by this year. And we've got data now up to March of 2013. So we've got at least halfway through. And GAO's analysis showed that of the five goals for which primary data on results were available, so there are seven goals, we don't have any data on two of them yet, but of the five for which we have data, one showed progress, and four showed no progress. <laughs> one goal showed progress, four showed no progress. Overall, the report states... None of the goals in the strategy have been fully achieved. None. Zero. And uh, what did this cost us, America? According to the report, ONDCP reported that about 26.3 billion dollars was provided for drug control programs in fiscal year 2015. That's one year. 26.3 billion dollars. It was in the double-digit billions the years before that, too. So probably over the past five years, around a $100 been spent, and none of the goals have been fully achieved. Four showed no progress at all. One showed some progress. Now, let me get deep into the data here. We'll talk about exactly what their goals were. So, first of all, we're going to decrease the 30-day prevalence of drug use among 12 to 17 year olds by 15%. So, uh, you know, monthly drug use for for teens. In 2010, it was 10.1%. In 2015, the it was uh 8.6%. And um no change. St- uh, technically no change on that. They also wanted to decrease the lifetime prevalence, have you ever tried drugs, among 8th graders. They wanted to make sure that 8th graders wouldn't be trying drugs. And on that, they made progress toward their goal. Movement toward goal. And that's good. We don't want 8th graders taking drugs, so good. Decrease the monthly drug use among young adults, 18 to 25, by 10%. No change. Reduce drug-induced deaths by 15%. Movement away from goal. Actually went the opposite direction. More drug-induced deaths, not fewer. Reduce drug-related morbidity by 15%. And they divided this up. So they wanted to, one, reduce emergency room visits for drug misuse and abuse. Went away from the goal. Movement away from the goal. They wanted to reduce HIV infections attributable to drug use. Movement away from the goal. More HIV infections. More emergency room visits for drug misuse and abuse. More drug-induced deaths. No change in monthly drug use among young adults. No change in monthly drug use among teenagers some movement in reducing eighth graders who've ever tried drugs. Now, here's where the report gets interesting. There are only two items where the office of national drug control policy met their goal and they weren't uh, referred to in the press releases because the press releases all talked about how the Drugs are has failed on illicit drugs. But buried here in table one. Decrease the lifetime prevalence of eighth graders who have used alcohol or tobacco by 15%. Alcohol met goal. Tobacco met goal. That's right, folks. The only area. In drug control policy, where the Office of National Drug Control Policy has met their goal, are for the two legal drugs, by carding the kids, by having strict penalties for giving drugs to minors. What do you know? Legalization and regulation work. Why can't our drug czar's office take a look at where they've succeeded and apply those same lessons to the other drugs. It is a mystery wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a quandary, wrapped in a dilemma, wrapped in a tragedy. There's no explaining it, folks. The amazing power of marijuana is its ability to addle the brains of those who do not use it. Email me, RadicalRuss at gmail.com. If you want a copy of this report, I'll send a link to you. Stay tuned. We've got Doug Ross coming up next.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Husson Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King Guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King Banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com.
0: The Russ Belleville Show. Where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak.
7: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Orangehilldevelopment.com
2: Mark Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our cannabis Business Chronicles. Welcome back, everybody. Thirty-one after the hour, time for us to talk to a friend of the show. We haven't talked to in a little while. It's Doug Ross on the line. Doug, how you doing?
6: Hey, Russ, it's Doug. I'm 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 great. We're down in the, the DC area, actually in Maryland.
2: That's right, out and there. And we recent,
6: you know, we recently had uh, the. Uh, the applications uh, all sent in for the first time ever. Uh, Maryland will have medical marijuana.
2: Yeah, that's fanci- that's uh, fascinating to me because last time we spoke, we spoke to you in your capacity uh, as director filmmaker uh, with the movie A Normal Life. Uh, just so we can uh, fill people in on that, how did the, how did the movie do? Did you get any more uh, response from it?
6: We got a huge response. We, we worked with Normal in uh, the D.C., the, the main uh, organization. And from there, we uh, spread the, uh, the, fi- the films to all the different chapters, as many as we could. We also put it on their Normal uh, website. So anytime anybody watched it while it was streaming or even downloaded it, the, uh, the money went to Normal's organization. We donated that to them so to help their organization uh, you know, keep going strong. Um, also, um, I got a call from the Annapolis, which is the capital of Maryland, uh, some state senators, and they said they'd seen it. They were looking at medical marijuana becoming um, legal, and, and they wanted to show the, the video. And I said, by all means, I can bring you the, uh, the, the witnesses uh, and the people that were in the film, some of them, and they can testify at the, uh, the state capitol. And they did. Wow! Um, about s- six months later, suddenly, lo and behold, I got a note. They said they passed it, um, and I want to think I'm, you know, I'm being, um, you know, pigheaded here. I'm thinking, oh yes, it was me that I w- our film was the one that was the tipping point. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think we all helped as a community, and so it, the the film is still showing on Hulu, uh, and it was on Netflix and uh, Redbox, and and it just it just sort of filtered out everywhere.
2: Now, uh, Maryland uh, approved their medical marijuana. It became effective June 1st of last year, 2014. Uh, the approved conditions include cachexia, anorexia, wasting syndrome, severe or chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, severe or persistent muscle spasms or other conditions. Uh, have they changed any of that? Are there any new conditions that you're aware of that have been added?
6: Not that I know. They haven't added anything new. The, in fact, this past uh, June of this year, they did the regs and regulations, regulations and the rules. And we looked very closely to see if anything had added. They had not added any more elements that, that were known at this point. But I, I don't think it's, it's, the book is closed on that. Um, with that, um, they gave everybody notice that there were going to be applications present for anybody that wanted to be a grower, or, uh, a processor, or a dispensary owner. Mm-hmm. And they said it was going to come out sometime around uh, the first week of September. So basically, everybody was looking at this uh, um, uh, you know, 900-page, whatever it was, and trying to figure out what do they want to know on these applications. Mm-hmm. And so we waited, and we waited, and waited, and the, the things never appeared until the last few days of September. And everybody looked at this, and they were stunned that none of the questions were really, um, uh, you know, anything you could have gleaned out of the regulations and the rules. Hmm. There was a lot of hypothetical questions and things, and, and it was just it was kind of shocking. Huh. But we were prepared. Everybody that knew uh, knew that they were going you know, try to try to go sideways on this thing because it's their first time, and Maryland's never had this in, in the state, not like you guys in, in Oregon and California or even Colorado. And so, but the problem was that they, they didn't close the, but they closed the date at the same time. So we now, instead of two months, you had less than five weeks Hmm. to create the application and, and uh, apply on time on the deadline.
2: Now, uh, and, uh, what was the deadline?
6: It was the, um, oh, great. Now that you said the 7th of, uh, November. Okay. Okay. And so, basically, we had so you know very very little time. No, excuse me, not the seventh of November, it was um, the twenty eighth. Uh, so the point being is, that the time was was really short, and so we were really struggling to try to uh, to try to get everything answered on time. Yeah. Uh, and they were they were applying these different percentages of of the question, they gave it points. In other words, so if you didn't answer one question, they'd shade it a little more points. Higher or lower, depending on what you were doing. It was a very oddball way of doing it.
9: Okay, so you um, now,
6: were you were applying
2: for the, one of these dispensary licenses, right? Correct. Right? Now, do you know um, do you but, know how many of the producer, processor, and dispensary licenses they're going to give out?
6: Yes, there are uh, basically there are ninety four dispensaries, and um, all of the, they are using the different uh, senatorial. Uh, districts, the okay. Senate districts, and so, so there's about 42, and you're going to have two per district.
2: Okay, okay? so so 94. And according there, to uh, a, <laughs> a press release here from the Medical Cannabis Commission, there November 12th, they said there were 705 applications for those 94 dispensary licenses, and you're one of those applicants.
6: <laughs> right, and the others were for growers and processors. Gotcha, and the total was over 900. Okay, totally.
2: Wow, so uh, you've got about a one in seven, one in eight chance of succeeding here. But like you said, it's there's a point system going on here, and, and uh, have you found any problems with that? Is it does it seem fair? Well,
6: it, the point system, I wasn't bothered by that at all. Um, the because it, it gives everybody a fair shot, I thought, and you could answer the questions uh, to prove you know your experience in in business, your experience with. With uh, the medical marijuana field and, and so forth, and we had it wasn't just me. I brought in a medical doctor who'd had 35 years uh, in the pharmaceutical bu- uh, business industry. I brought in uh, a pharmacist who's also been in the business about 12 years and was a veteran. And so, and then we had a security team because there was a really big uh, section on how are you going to secure all this and uh, and make sure you know that your, the your system was protected and. So I had all these people, and these, these guys were ex-FBI agents from D.C., So, I, and all these people are from Maryland. So that's, that's another point I was trying to get at, is that my team was all Maryland-raised and, and worked, and so we were trying to make a community dispensary that does work toward veterans. That was one of our, our big uh, ideas, uh, because that's what uh, we've been doing for, for years. I've been down uh, in D.C. working at the Walter Reed, it's a, vol- a volunteer and worked with all uh, different uh, groups in uh, the v- Virginia, Maryland, DC area. But back to the the marijuana thing is that we had a team, and we showed that we were uh, Maryland people. Now, um, one thing that was odd is that we ha- there's other groups that were we were meeting the Maryland uh, Baltimore Women's Grow Group, which is up from Baltimore, but they're not necessarily there. They would have meetings all over the state and. Different people would show up, processors, growers, dispensary people that are all applying, and we were all comparing notes and things. We started noticing that uh, the scuttlebutt or the rumor was that there were all these people coming across the D.C. border and from Colorado that were coming in and putting money in every senatorial district. This was uh, out-of-state money, corporations, big-time groups, that already had, um, you know, businesses in uh, the Midwest and in the West. And they were using a proxy to, uh, because you have to be a Maryland resident, of sure. course. And, and so if you look at the list of 900, you see the same names in every district. So they were spending, what is it? Uh, you know, $1,000 for each dispensary. You know, it's $90,000, right? Right. <laughs> Um, uh, and so we were a little, uh, you know, taken back and we're like, well, wait a minute. Uh, and we would find out who these groups were and I'm not claiming foul. I'm just saying that, you know, we wanted as a community to keep the money in Maryland. So when these, uh, you know, the sales go to the patients, and that's what we're here for is the patients. Um, this money is going to be what trucked out, uh, you know, daily in boxcars in. in armored cars toward Colorado, whereas we wanted to keep the money here to help the community. That was part of the whole idea, was not only to give needed medicine to veterans and to uh, citizens here, but the, the rewards would be to put the money back into the community. Right. That was all our, our whole idea. Uh, and so now we see all these groups from uh, out of state, and we're and there's nothing we can do in the, the process, because it's now it's out of our hands, and we have until... I think January, mid-January, and they may announce something. So, Uh, you know, to be fair, we just wanted it fair uh, and treated fairly. I thought if these guys that were the big corporations, they could put their uh, resources into the communities far from Baltimore and and Rockville, the two major cities, out toward where uh, people are not, uh, you know, probably uh, wealthy enough, and it's hard for them to access, we would feel it would be fair out there. But, you know, it's out of our hands, I say, and uh, I I wish for the best. I just, I hope the whole thing works out for the patients and for the veterans and for the community. That's, I mean, I'm not, my wife and I own a a full-service spa with with Chinese medicine. We've got, uh, you know, uh, acupuncture. We've been treating patients for years, and it's all about health and wellness. We were not in this to makes a gazillion dollars, we were basically adding this to our portfolio of businesses.
2: Yeah, you're you're pretty much illustrating what the big uh, shift is now in marijuana reform from being an activist-led on the legalization side and a compassion-led thing on the medical side to now being an industry-led thing where people are are looking to make a buck on this. I've been speaking with Doug Ross here, uh, the director of A Normal Life, and he's also an applicant for a medical marijuana dispensary, one of 90-some-odd of them in the state of Maryland, and we've got about a minute here before we got to wrap things up, Doug. So, is there if people sure. want to contact you and learn more about what's going on or uh, visit uh, your dispensary once it exists uh, in Maryland? How can they get a hold of you?
6: Well, right now the the company is called MJMD, and uh, we're at uh, MJMD.info if you needed to get in hold of us. Uh, that's the best way. Otherwise, uh, md at Gmail.com. Or AccuSpaMD.com, That's our our spa. That's the uh, where we all we do our our medicine things.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Um, but, to, with you Maryland know, being kind of a, a small state, that you're going to have over 90 dispensaries.
6: I know it is odd. Uh, it's, what are we going to be like Starbucks every 10 feet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not against that. But, no, I know, I know. But, but we have to start. But I just wanted this thing, this process, to be fair. Above yeah. all. And to help the patients. And, and uh, I get that it's going to be industry wide. And and there was a guy who just quit uh, one of the national uh, uh, committees uh, of marijuana because he said he was fed up that, like you said, it's all corporations taking over.
2: Yeah, Dan Riffle and
6: of Marijuana at, Policy I was, Project. I was at this one meeting, and this guy says, What are you against capitalism or something? And I said, No, I'm, I'm just for fairness.
2: That's but, right. Hey, Doug, that's all the time we got, but thank you for joining us here, and uh, keep us posted about uh, what happens there in the state of Maryland, and and we'll be in touch. Thanks, Russ. Have a great night. All right, thank you so much. And, folks, check out A Normal Life if you haven't already, because, well, for one thing, I'm in it. Not for much, but I'm in it a little bit. At least got me in the Internet Movie Database, and that's good. Hey, when we come back, it's time for the Reformer's Reader, and we'll be speaking with Joshua Sheets, the author of Homegrown Marijuana.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: You know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs, lifestyle gear for the 420-friendly. Herbage Designs. We've got Frisbee Golf Discs and durable hemp gear. Herbage Designs. We've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at herbagedesigns.com and follow Herbage and Herb Thrasher on Twitter.
0: The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The National Wildlife Refuge for Marijuana Unicorns.
4: Doctor Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up.
6: I'm afraid for this little guy. It's just too late.
5: What caused the problem?
6: Only Doctor Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth, tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, turning it up in smoke.
4: So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor?
6: Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Doctor Dabber. Doctor's orders.
4: Less heat. More flavor.
0: The best weapon you can have in the Prohibition War is your mind. Fill your head with the knowledge you need by checking out this latest entry in the Russ Belleville Show's
2: Reformer's Reader. Welcome back, everyone. Forty-five, forty-six after the hour now. And uh, today in Reformer's Reader, we're speaking with Joshua Sheets. He's the author of of the book Homegrown Marijuana. Joshua, welcome to the show.
10: Well, thanks for having me, Russ. How are
2: you doing? Oh, doing fantastic and uh, uh, very interested to get your take on this because so many states now are legalizing marijuana and uh, three out of four of them allow people to grow marijuana uh, of their own personal amounts at home, uh, anywhere between four plants up to six plants in some of these states. And uh, your book comes through right in time for people to get involved with that. Give them kind of a, a thumbnail description of who this book is for and what they can get from it.
10: Well, you know, any gardener of any level can use this book, and the information is really laid out in a way that's, you know, from A to Z. But the primary target group uh, is essentially who you're talking about. You know, anyone really can put a garden in their backyard and supplement their food that way. And you can also put a garden in your closet and supplement your income by not having to pay for weed.
2: That's a great thing here. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, according to the bio that you, you were uh gardening and farming, uh, all the way from the age of six and, uh, coming, growing up as someone who is, uh, in, involved in, in horticulture. Now your, your book talks about hydroponic growing. Uh, how did you make that journey, that switch from, uh, uh, farm technology to hydroponic technology?
10: Well, I started out kind of on a family farm, uh, farming strawberries with my grandpa. He had a Doberman strawberries and corn. So I started out of the age of six under his tutelage, and about the time I was eleven or twelve I began working with the Arch of Seattle um, as sort of a junior landscaper. Okay. And from that point on I, I had caught the bug somewhere in between there and um went into the FSA in high school. I uh I developed trigeminal neuralgia symptoms at some point during that time around the age of thirteen. And uh Really went through a myriad of stuff for a couple of years trying to treat that and found that cannabis was really, really the only thing that would work for me. Um, so the, the progression was, you know, my illness. Wow. So from cannabis, there, was, uh, cannabis yeah, was able to help from there I he- started growing outside, out here in Washington. Uh, back then, you know, my resume kind of reads like a criminal history from that period, but I guess that's, that's kind of what it was.
2: Yeah. Um, you got busted then?
10: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did four years here in the state for cultivating cannabis.
2: Hmm. That's, uh, that's got to be tough, you know, uh, going behind bars where you're locked up with actual criminals when you were just a gardener.
10: Pretty much, you know, I mean, a gardener who was trying to treat himself.
2: Yeah. Now, with your disorder, uh, have you been able to eliminate any uh, any other or the rest of your pharmaceuticals through the use of cannabis?
10: Yeah. You know, I've gone through a whole myriad of stuff that you use. Um, and I still meet with my neurologist once a month and he, uh, he still tries to get me to, to try new pharmaceuticals out. Uh, the last one we were doing with trigeminal neuralgia really was the Gabapentin pregabalin type family. So of um, Neurontin pills that cost about 800 bucks a month that they make you unfunctionable. Mm-hmm. It just, and that's the best that, that's the best that modern pharmacy has, has come across with that so far. Um, get you get down to about one really painful attack a month with that type of thing um, which are completely unfunctionable and with the cannabis you can function and I've been three months free of an attack currently
2: Wow well that's fantastic and uh, you're in Washington now uh, working in the uh, cannabis industry I presume
10: yeah absolutely I'm I'm here uh, selling copies of my book consulting with people uh, working with working with medical setups uh giving advice to guys that are doing 502s uh i had a consult yesterday with a private grower it was really uh really great he set up an undercurrent system so clean he put it on a carpet
2: (laughs) wow now uh having gone to uh uh jail uh prison for cultivation is that restricting you in any way from working in the industry in washington
10: you know it isn't it isn't um I can't I can't really own my own business here, which is really sad because, you know, I, at, at this point, I'm 33, and, and basically we're the generation that I grew with, who is a guys a little bit older than you, we're getting ready to sort of pass over the torch, if you will. And it's the torch of here's these genes we're giving you, here's these techniques, here's the stuff that we're doing down here, person to person. Now, we live in a day and age now where you can learn just about anything off of YouTube, um, and I'll be putting out a series of videos myself to kind of Help people out along with my book pretty shortly on YouTube, but I mean it is—it's rough, you know. We—I sit around or I meet with a lot of older guys, and uh, pretty much everybody that's a grower in their forties, thirties, forties, fifties has some sort of a charge, and it uh, is—it's of a way to process them out.
2: Yeah, we're speaking with Joshua Sheets. He's the author of Homegrown Marijuana. Create a hydroponic growing system in your own home. It's available on Cool Springs Press. You can also get it downloaded through Amazon. Are there, any other outlets people can get the book? Um, from Amazon, from Quarto Home, the uh,
10: website of the publisher. Hmm. Uh, from my personal website, has some links as well.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. What was your website?
10: Well, my personal website. Let me pull that up for you real quick. We're just uh, just in the middle of setting a
2: lot of stuff up. Well, that's good to hear. Great-looking book, uh, Homegrown Marijuana, big full-color pictures, and uh, easy to read and understand for the beginning grower. It's definitely something I would recommend. Got the website? Yeah,
10: I'm pulling it up here real
2: quick. Okay. Uh, The author is Joshua Sheets. Uh, The book is Homegrown Marijuana, create a hydroponic growing system in your own home. Uh, This would be a perfect gift for your uh, friend who lives in a newly legal state where you can grow a small personal garden. Also good for the folks in the medical marijuana states that still allow for gardening by the patients. Uh, Hydroponic systems can be uh, very uh, easy to take care of once they're set up. I understand.
10: Absolutely. You know, a lot of these systems, they're really cheap. You can set them up uh, with stuff that you can pick up at the box stores or even manufacturers. So um, you can order parts offline, you know, bulkheads and even float fittings, uh, sprays, if you're on a home you a lot of systems to be set up real to for under a couple hundred bucks. And they work just as well as a commercial system, It's not very dependent on the system.
2: Yeah, don't have, don't end up having to spend a whole lot of money to get this stuff to, to work the right way. And it's, it's fascinating to me how uh, a lot of what we've uh, developed as far as, uh, the, the genetics of cannabis and the techniques for growing it, uh, are the best in the world and end up getting used on things like, you know, space flights, uh, for hy- you know, the hydroponic techniques that we develop are things that are being used by NASA now to figure out how to grow food in space. So, uh, this is not just uh backyard or, or basement or closet growing. We're talking about this is major development in horticultural technology.
10: You know absolutely, and these these are sciences they're not difficult to understand. It. And so li- with a with a little bit of help from a guy like me, anybody can really put together one of these systems. Uh, the growing the potatoes uh, aeroponically up in space that's so been going on right now in the Russian space station. That was, uh, I believe, was even sponsored by NASA, but that uh that's a perfect example of aeroponics and they're actually producing potatoes that are uh, more rich in nutrients than what, what they would be able to pull off from
2: that yeah we're, we're getting some muffling on your phone somehow there uh just, josh you're having trouble hearing okay. you there are,
10: are you, am i coming in
2: please yeah it's still still a little bit muffled not sure what's going on uh but uh did you get a chance to find that website for our listeners
10: yeah um let me get that up can you hear me better russ
2: yep that's much better
10: all right what i was saying is that the uh That NASA project, they've actually been able to put out some potatoes that are really high in nutrient, um, probably higher than what they'd be able to do here on Earth. And it's really easy for someone at home to pick up on these techniques um, with a little bit of assistance and just go through and set up growth in their closet that, you know, it doesn't have to be um, a conventional soil garden. You, You can really go to the next level pretty cheaply and easily with a little bit of help.
2: Now, when you're setting up uh, hydroponic gardens, does it make much difference whether the state is allowing a certain number of plants versus a certain plant canopy space? Does that really translate well to, hy- to hydroponics?
10: You know, those are those are concerns. Uh, those are concerns that any gardener is going to have. But pretty much no. I mean, the because we separate vegetation and flowering a lot of times, especially with these micro Um, you can vegetate the plants to the size that you need them, or you can vegetate, you know, if you're allowed to have six, but there's no limit on canopy space, you can pretty much do whatever you want there. And then if you're allowed to have a certain canopy space, you can grow a bunch of plants then quickly and short your veg period. I mean, there's a lot of wiggle room for cultural techniques in that regard.
2: But it doesn't make a difference as to how easy it is to take care of or how the initial setup goes?
10: You know, um, producing more plants, is it's going to cost you a little bit, you know, a little bit more for pucks and a little bit more for time and whatnot. The yeah, producing larger plants has its concerns as well. It's going to cost you a little more for light. You know, you're going to have a longer veg period. You're going to be waiting a little longer. It's kind of six in one hand, half a dozen in the other as far as that goes. So I think realistically the, the science applied appropriately to either scenario can get you where you want to go.
2: Now, as far as the yield, uh, the output of the plants, I've talked to people that say they can can taste a difference between something grown in soil versus something grown hydroponically. Uh, Do you subscribe to that notion? Do you think there's much difference in the the actual output of the plant?
10: That's a difficult question, Russ. But realistically, you know, there's a lot of variables there. Flushes are pretty important in the Mm -hmm. final part of of cannabis in in the preparation uh, before consumption, uh, the final stage of flowering. Um, the hydroponic and organic systems. Bas- basically with with your hydroponic system, you have a lot of salt-based nutrients unless you're running full organics. And even if you're running full organics, the principle is kind of constant delivery or delivery on demand. With organics, it's more uh, the nutrients are kind of locked up sort of in like salt lick forms, if you will, and they... They deposit themselves on um, even nitrogen, even some of your more fastest moving compounds uh, in the soil will sort of time release themselves, if you will, within the medium.
2: Hmm.
10: So there's, there's, there's that going on.
2: Right on. All right. So, uh, again, the book is Homegrown Marijuana. Author is Joshua Sheets. You can pick the book up on Amazon and other fine book retailers. And, uh, Joshua... Yeah,
10: can- you know... It's, I'm sorry, it's available in Barnes and & Nobles and a lot of other outlets coming out soon. So
2: Yeah. Now, uh, do you ever uh, make appearances at any of the uh, events around Washington, Pacific Northwest, or West Coast for people to meet you? Book signings, things like that?
10: You know, I've, I've started to move around, and I've started to move around and do some events out here. I got a, out to a Dabstar party uh, last month. I'm planning on being at Hemp Fist. This next year, um, I'll probably be doing some book signings locally in the Olympia, Tacoma, Seattle area. Um, I think I'll be speaking at Mother Earth News uh, this spring down in Oregon, somewhere near you.
2: Right on. Well, I uh, hope we run into you at one of these events sometime and get a chance to meet. And uh, uh, good luck with everything uh, as far as the book goes. And uh, do you plan on uh, uh, releasing a sequel?
10: Yeah, actually we- I'm, I'm just beginning to pen the sequel right now, and it'll it'll be uh, the title still in the works. But essentially, it'll be a book about how to do the same thing in your backyard. Right on. All right. Well,
2: we're looking forward to it's that. To be people backyard to- marijuana
10: or something like that. Yeah, and I want to I see the documentary video. Right.
2: Well, thank you so much, uh, Joshua Sheets, author of Homegrown Marijuana, A Guide to Creating Your Own Hydroponic Grow. Nice small grows for those of you in the legal states or the medical states. That's all the time we got for our Hour 1 podcast. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio. Our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. It's Friday, Open Mic Friday. You can call in about any topic. We'll be glad to talk about it. I'll be giving you a preview of the Northwest Cannabis Classic. It's happening here in Portland. Taking place on Sunday. And um, what else is happening? Oh, yes, Emerald Cup is coming up. And uh, Normal has got their Key West Legal Seminar going on this weekend. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
0: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
7: You grow it, you are it, you roll it, you scone again. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke
3: it, and it
7: goes down to earth.
2: Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio is on the air. Phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. Open topic, anything you want to discuss in the world of marijuana or outside of the world of marijuana. This is a show by, for, and about the cannabis community. Doesn't mean we can't talk about other subjects. And we're going to be doing a lot more of that in 2016. I'm going to make uh, Toker Talk Radio the the cannabis consumers talk radio show, but we're going to talk about all sorts of things. We're going to talk about all sorts of topics out there and uh, get everyone's take on these things. And it, and it could be quite interesting because the cannabis community by and large is kind of both liberal and libertarian, right? It's, it's almost as if, if you think of the political spectrum left, right and center, right? It's not really a line Sometimes it's more like a circle. And when you go around that circle, whether you go to the left or to the right, you eventually end up kind of in some places in the same place. Where both libertarian types, you know, far right leaning people and liberal types, far left leaning people, both see the need to protect a person's right to use drugs. It, It just becomes an issue of bodily and mental sovereignty it's a civil right. And so you know, so the left sees it as a civil rights issue, the right sees it as a overbearing government issue, and we both kind of come together on that. So with that perspective where we have an interesting we have an interesting group to be able to talk about other issues in this country because for most people on most issues Especially these days with the internet and the media the way they are, everybody ends up in their own little echo chambers, right? You're a righty, you listen, you, you watch Fox News, you listen to right wing talk radio and you read the Wall Street Journal and, and that's your little world. And if you're a lefty, you're reading the New York Times and you're getting all your information off the internet and your, uh, uh, left wing blogs and watching MSNBC, right? And you don't get a lot of crossover. For the other side, and it, there tends to be this demonization of the other side and mischaracterization of the other side, an us versus them mentality, which I think only serves really the the purposes of the people you know in control, uh, the corporations and the, and the people making the money in the power. If if all the people are fighting against each other, left versus right, immigrant versus native. Gay versus straight, whatever it is we're fighting about, we're distracted with each other and they can go on doing what they want to do. So the marijuana community provides this interesting opportunity for people to have a a group that's united under one particular issue who come from vastly different sides on other issues. For instance, I'm all for marijuana legalization. I got friends in Texas who are all for marijuana legalization, but our opinions on guns are quite different, quite different. I've got uh, friends that are completely in support of the idea that a person has the right to put marijuana in their body, just like I believe we have the right to put marijuana in our body. Because what is the government doing trying to exercise control over our body? But those same friends are stridently pro-life and are all for the government having control over a woman's body if she's pregnant. So we have these, you know, we got an interesting coalition of people, pro-lifers and pro-choicers, gun nuts and gun grabbers. First Amendment and Second Amendment. I mean, we come from all sorts of different areas here and, you know, Christian and atheist, right? We, Our group, our coalition has people who strongly believe in Ganja as the sacrament, who strongly believe in Christ as a savior, uh, hold these beliefs very seriously. And we have people that are total atheists into evolution and all of that. And yet we all agree that marijuana should be legal. Let's go to our phone lines. We got a call from the six five one area code. Six five one. You're on the air with Toker Talk Radio.
10: Hi, Russ. My name is. Hello, Russ. Yes. Hi, my name is Daniel. Um, I have a question about powdery mildew. How that? Um, if that's bad, uh, by burning it, smoking it, or ingesting it?
2: Yeah, you don't want to deal with the powdery mildew. Uh, I, I, you know, sometimes people try to. Brush this amount off, or pick out the parts that are good. But once your plants have the powdery mildew, what you're seeing is not yeah. all that's there. There's there's plenty more that's there at a, a smaller level that you can't quite pick out. And I know people have said, "Well, I'll, I'll use it in a you know I'll I'll, I'll blast it and, and make a concentrate out of it." No, all you're doing is concentrating. The, the mildew then, uh, or I'll use it in edibles. No, you're still yeah. Gonna...
10: How about canna butter?
2: Yeah, same problem, man. Once you got the powdery mildew, you're done. It's you know, throw it out. It's not good for and human what consumption.
10: What effect does it have on you if you do consume that?
2: Well, there's uh, all sorts of uh, like toxic mold type of uh, lung pneum- uh, pneumonia type infections of the lungs and such. Not good. Okay,
10: uh, yeah. you know, I was thinking you, if you're out, just outside in the woods, you're breathing mildew and mold spores there too.
2: Yeah, it's, it's not quite not quite the same deal here. Uh, you know, definitely a bad thing. Every every one of the uh, doctors I've ever interviewed or talked to uh, and, and the grower types I've talked to on this have said, nope, you, you get the powdery mildew, it's done, throw it out. It's not good for human consumption.
10: Okay, well, thanks an awful lot, Russ, and Jesus, is great listening to you. Keep up the great work.
2: Oh, well, thank you, man, and uh, tell other people uh, we love having new listeners on the show. I sure do. And I recommend your stories to everyone to read too. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, folks, thank you so much. We uh, we love getting these calls and uh, we're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more. Also coming up, we've got our final Daily Toker tune segment. I mentioned this yesterday that moving forward as I'm on Cannabis Radio now, I have to take off all the copyrighted music. That's why you're hearing new bumpers and stuff, too. So uh, Herb Thrasher will be calling in for our last Rockin' Friday that we can do. But never fear. The Rock will still be here. 420 Radio will still exist. Herb Thrasher Flower Hour will still keep keep on keeping on. It's just my show that's moving to CannabisRadio.com. We've also got the response to the uh, Black Lives Matter question of a world without police. My question at the Reform Conference Coming up at the bottom half of the hour.
0: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges.
6: People are sick and tired
3: of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in.
6: I'm Bernie Sanders, and I
0: approve this message. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while. Share.
5: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world.
2: After the hour, Radical Russ here live at Rola J Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. Thanks to all of our listeners out there on CannabisRadio.com and to all of you watching out there on Ustream for our live webcam. Also, don't forget you can follow me on YouTube. I save the first hour of the uh, webcam videos on my YouTube channel at Radical Russ. So uh, you can follow me out there if that's your preferred method of picking up the show. Soon enough, we'll have the iTunes feeds and the Stitcher feeds and iHeartRadio feeds and all that kind of stuff taken care of. And uh, don't forget, coming up at the uh, top of the year, January, big year 2016. Possibly five more states voting on legalization, two more voting on medical marijuana, possibly two states passing it through their legislature. An amazing time to be a cannabis activist, and we're going to bring it to you all throughout 2016. Trying uh, to put together the Legalize America Tour in conjunction with CannabisRadio.com. We're hoping to get a big, uh, we've got a fifth wheel, we've got a big fifth wheel, and we're looking to get a dually pickup and uh, some rap and uh, some sponsors and we'll do a nationwide tour. We'll go across the country. We'll cover we'll cover all the big events like Ann Arbor Hash Bash and Great Midwest Harvest Fest and Global Marijuana March and Seattle Hemp Fest and Cannabis Cups, all that stuff. And we'll go from town to town, city to city, stopping at college campuses and wherever else we can to put on a presentation about the truth about marijuana legalization. So these people can know how it is in Colorado or Washington or Oregon or Alaska, and they don't have nothing to fear in embracing marijuana legalization. We'll also take the show on the road, do our show from remote locations, and I think it could be a whole lot of fun. We're still putting it all together. Still putting it all together. Don't know if it'll even happen, but we're trying. Trying to find the sponsors, trying to find the locations. So uh, stay tuned for that. And if you're interested in helping in any way, Uh, through monetary donations, if you've got a dually pickup, (laughs) we'd love uh, that. Just get in touch with me. Uh, I'm Radical Russ everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, probably MySpace. I don't know. Uh, And also on Gmail, RadicalRuss at gmail.com. If you're interested in knowing more about my uh, background, there is a big front page interview of me coming out in the Oregon Cannabis Connection newspaper. Uh the Oregon Cannabis Connection can be found all throughout Oregon at most of our dispensaries and a lot of our head shops. And uh Keith Manser, the uh publisher, came to the uh studios the other day and we did a long interview. It's going to be a long long piece but uh pretty uh Pretty enjoyable getting to do that interview and getting some uh, coverage in the Oregon Cannabis Connection. Also, uh, the story is blowing up. We uh, broke this story uh, a couple of days ago about the uh, Alabama prosecuting attorneys and cops who are all complicit in planting drugs on young black men for over a decade. Hundreds of cases prosecuted with planted evidence. Many of those people still in prison. Wrongly convicted, still in prison. You know, when a case like this comes up, I want the cop, any of the cops and the district attorney who succeeded in putting these men behind bars falsely to have to serve the sentences of the men they put behind bars consecutively. Hundreds of cases. If if they each got even two years, then the prosecutor and the cops should get 200 years in prison. So basically life without parole. They should be locked up and the keys should be thrown away. To me, you know, I've got a different view of how our justice system should work. I think we should be punishing violence most strictly, like even like aggravated assaults, even just simple assaults should be prosecuted much more strictly than they are today. Behavioral crimes, regulatory things, they shouldn't be anywhere near the punishment of people that commit violent crimes. But something that should be punished even more than that are the people in whom we put our public trust, our criminal justice officials, our peace officers, our officers of the court. When they subvert the cause of justice like this, it should get the maximum penalty short of capital murder. I wouldn't give these guys death penalty. I wouldn't give anyone death penalty. I'm anti-death penalty. It doesn't work. It wastes money. But these guys should definitely do more time than someone busted for weed. That's for damn sure.
0: You're a loony.
4: That may be true.
2: Everyone, happy 420 on a Friday following a fantastic Packers victory. (laughs) We went from having a 66%... Shot at the playoffs to a 92% shot at the playoffs, thanks to last night's win. So I'm really happy. I got the strong silicone glow in the glow in the dark bong. Time for a 420 safety meeting. See you after. Russ CampusRadio.com. First off, thank you all for being the first panel I've attended in ten years. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com. Handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com.
0: You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Everyone knows music and marijuana go together, so let's wind up our 20 after break with the Russ Belleville Show's Daily Toker Tunes, the best in pod safe 420 music from around the web. Today is Rockin' Friday, featuring rock, metal, and the hard edge of alternative country. Now, sit back and enjoy your
2: Daily Toker Tunes. All right, welcome back, everybody, to this Rockin' Friday. Herb Thrasher can't join us today, and it is the last day that we can play... Uh, any copyrighted music on the show. So I've got to go out with this. Of course, you probably know by now, Scott Wheland, the lead singer of 90s band Stone Temple Pilots, was found dead in his tour bus uh, at the age of 48. And um, the bassist, Tommy Black, has been arrested and booked for possession of cocaine. So they call 911. Because they find their lead singer dead. The cops show up. When they show up, they find some cocaine, and so they arrest the bass player. Damn shame. But, uh, of course, uh, Scott Weiland has long struggled with substance abuse issues, crack cocaine, and heavy drinking. Uh, He'd been on tour with his band Scott Weiland and the Wildabouts. Uh, and they were, had dates coming up in Reno and Napa, California. They're still, uh, the medical examiner is still investigating his death. There's no word as to whether or not there were any drugs involved in Wayland's death. But, uh, Black, the uh, bass player, has been, is being held at the Bloomington Police Department pending charges. And he's also the manager of the Viper Room. In uh, Los Angeles. So sad to see Scott Weiland go uh, somebody my age passing away like this. So we're going to go out with some Stone Temple pilots off their album core. This is Wicked Garden*. Get .buzz. is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. .buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. .buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at Get.buzz.
0: You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show.
8: MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out MJWellness.com today.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Half past here at of J Studios in beautiful, legal potland, Oregon. We're live. And it's CannabisRadio.com you're listening to. I'm Radical Russ. This is the Russ Belville Show's Toker Talk Radio. Our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111, as they are every day at 4 p.m. Pacific time. So you can get your 420 on with us and call in. Let us know what you're thinking about. Ask your questions. We'll give you the best answers we can. There's uh, some developments here in that shooting in San Bernardino, that mass shooting that took place, killing 14 people, injuring over 20. Turns out the wife, according to the FBI, was uh, dedicated to ISIS, says she praised ISIS leaders during the attack, and the FBI now says, we're investigating these horrific acts as an act of terrorism. And here it comes, folks. It's going to get pretty crazy, although they say there's no indication that this was directed by ISIS, but I think this is probably more like those, you know, just freelancers, people that think ISIS is cool, and hey, let's help them out by, you know, killing a whole bunch of people. This is uh, troublesome, of course, uh, because on the one hand, you're going to have some people that are, you know, very Islamophobic, anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant who are going to say, see, see, this is why we need to keep the Syrian refugees out. Ah, panic. And on the other side, you're going to have people that are going to go, see, see, this is why we need to take everyone's guns away. see. Uh, Reason Magazine, uh, Nick Gillespie called it the, uh, perfect storm for gun grabbers and Islamophobes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be difficult here dealing with this one. Um, it does point out the fact, though, that, um, terrorists in this country can get their hands on guns and about 1600 rounds of ammo, right? People on the no-fly list in this country can buy guns. Did you know that? You can't get on a plane, but you can buy guns and ammo. But not if you're a pot smoker. If you're a pot smoker, you're a known abuser of Schedule One substances. And uh, thanks to the Gun Control Act of 1968, it is illegal to transfer guns or firearms to you. Person on the no-fly list, that's cool. Buy all the guns you like hot smoker. No, no, no. No guns for you. So, like wh- regardless of which side you're on, right, in this gun debate, I-, I would at least hope you can see the how ludicrous that situation is. If we are going to have certain gun laws to restrict some people from getting guns, maybe it should be the no-fly list and not the flying on pot list. <laughs> maybe Right. All right. Let's get off of that subject because I know it r- rankles a lot of people, and and we've covered it many, many times. Um, I'll leave I'll leave the subject by saying these people uh, bought all their guns legally. They're all law-abiding gun owners with uh, no criminal records. So I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. Uh, I've already said basically that I've kind of like surrendered on the issue. I really have, because I do, I mean, I come from a family that loves guns, man. And I like guns. I, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. I go out to the, the country, out the, you know, the badlands of Oregon, Eastern and Central Oregon, with a couple of pistols, you know, shoot some cans, shoot some bottles. That's a lot of fun. I've uh, fired an M60 machine gun before. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's They're great. I got parents and, and uh, uh, uncles and cousins who are avid hunters. I got no problem with the guns. What I got a problem with is the randomly flying bullets. <laughs> That's what I got the problem with. Got no problem with the guns. It's the possibility that I'm in a public place and bullets may randomly start flying. And I resigned myself to, you know, because after Sandy Hook. Right. Or after, after that, after the kids got shot up. White kids got shot up in a classroom. I thought, oh, that's it. We're finally going to, there's something going to happen. Nope, nothing happened. So after that happened, I'm just kind of developed the attitude of like, look, that's just our thing. That's just going to be America's thing. Randomly flying bullets can kill you in America. That's just the way it is. Never mind the fact that this happens in no other country. And I know somebody brought up, what about France? The terrorists attacked France. Yeah, one gun incident and how many you know, months for them, years for them. We have more incidents than we have days <laughs> in a year. So apples and oranges, but I've just resigned myself to it. That's just our thing. You know, no other country deals with this like we have to, but hey, no other country has to deal with as many poisonous things as Australia. Few other countries have to deal with the tsunami and earthquake danger of Japan. It's, it's, it's our thing, right? In Africa, you might get malaria. Or Ebola it could kill you. America, randomly flying bullets and type 2 diabetes. (laughs) We just have to, that's the way our country is, man. We're just going to have to deal with it, I think. Oh, my God. Um, Let me go back real quick to the Dothan, Alabama Police Department. Leaked documents reveal they planted drugs on young black men for years, and the district attorney was complicit... Off the henrycountyreport.com blog. Uh, Nice picture of all these guys, uh, all these white Southern officers who've been planting drugs on black guys holding a Confederate flag. That's how appropriate that could be. Interesting. And um, it's just uh, hundreds of cases. Planted evidence, many still in jail because of this. And um, this started as far back as 1996, that the police department got complaints that black victims, that drugs and weapons were being planted, specifically young black men who had clean records. The police chief instructed senior officers to ignore the complaints and they willingly complied. In 1998, a a concerned group of white officers within the police department complained in writing about what they had witnessed. And uh, in August of 9, OK, so that got turned over to internal affairs by August of ninety nine. More than a dozen officers had allegations against them for planting drugs and weapons on black men they had falsely arrested. Each were notified of a formal investigation required to prepare statements in writing to Internal affairs. Notification of charges reference a combination of marijuana, cocaine and guns being planted on citizens during arrests that were witnessed by multiple fellow officers. They were prosecuted by District Attorney Doug Valeska. Uh, Despite the written allegations by police officers, the evidence was planted. Never was any such information shared in the discovery process with the defendants' attorneys. (laughs) So the district attorney, the prosecutor, gets these allegations of uh, planting drugs and guns and doesn't turn that over to the defense. That of course, is a felony and will be prosecuted as such. The, uh, it's a long post again at henrycountyreport.com. This is dated December 1st from their post, and uh, they've got a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of documents in here uh, that are embedded as well. In the end, the uh, police chief, Steve Parrish, declined to comment, but um, they did agree to redact personal information so they can't know, know who's involved here. But for years, hundreds of young black men. And let's keep in mind, folks, these are the guys that got caught. These are the guys that had at least a few good cops in their uh, department who were willing to come forward to break that blue wall of silence and let the world know that this was happening. How many other police departments does this happen in? This is another yet another reason why it's so vital that we end the war on drugs and specifically marijuana because all that this ends up being is another tool bad cops can use to get away with their crimes. This, this was used. I recall the 1992, I think it was 92 killing of Catherine Johnston, 92 year old elderly black woman living in a bad neighborhood, bad apartment complex, whatever it was. Cops, come bursting through the door because it's the wrong address on a warrant. She thinks she's being home invaded, takes her little gun out and shoots at him. The cops shoot back and kill her. When they realize they killed a 92-year-old lady, they realize they got the wrong address on their warrant. They planted a baggie of marijuana on her. So I'm well aware this has been going on. This was Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. This has been going on all over the country. So the benefit to the state of being able to take a personal amount of marijuana out of somebody's hands has to be weighed against the opportunity for a crooked cop to use that as a way of getting around someone's civil rights. It seems to me that There should be more. We should weigh that on the side of citizen liberty. We should weigh that on the side of civil rights. Legalize the personal possession of all drugs. A personal amount of drugs should never be a reason for a cop to suspend your liberty. Now, Scott Wieland. Wieland. I don't know how it's pronounced. That case comes to mind, too. Busting the bass player for what's certainly a personal amount of cocaine after his friend and colleague died after they found their friend dead and call 911, they then have to deal with that. Personal amounts of drugs should not be cause for the cops to suspend our liberty. Now, crooked cops might be able to still plant guns, still plant stolen merchandise. I mean, it's never going to eradicate crooked cops, but given that there will always be crooked cops, how about we give them fewer tools? to be crooked with let's take a couple tools out of their tool belt the smell of marijuana i smell weed oh really sure you do sure you do oh you found some weed uh, on this black kid who doesn't have a previous record right so uh i want to take a moment here uh to play a clip Because we've been talking about this uh, Black Lives Matter and crooked cops and so forth. And there was this panel, the militarization of police that took place. And I I played a little bit of it on the show yesterday. And it featured Diane Goldstein, uh, my friend from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and Patrice Cullors, who is one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, and a few other activists who work with people of color, communities, And there was this theme that built up throughout the discussion of this idea of a world without cops, that cops were bad, cops were evil. We shouldn't have cops because all cops are, are the occupying army that controls and keeps capitalism running and keeps minorities, you know, at a lower class status. And, you know, this perspective that was coming from these minority activists and, and, Patrice colors, I believe it was actually came to the point of saying, we need to work toward a world without police where my goal is to put the police out of business, which I think is a fabulous idea in a John Lennon imagine sort of way, because you have to imagine that we'd be a world without conflict if you want to be a world without police. And so that led me to my question that I asked at the Reform Conference to these activists. Russ Delman from CanvasRadio.com. First off, thank you all for being the first panel I've attended in 10 years of drug law reform. It was all female.
7: All the suggestions
2: were made, and I was like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm skeptical of this idea of the world without police, and maybe it's because I played music in biker bars for 15 years <laughs> um, In this imaginary world without police, when I go to my neighbor to talk to him about the music being too loud, and he steps outside and punches me in the nose, what happened? Who do I call? What does that world look like?
5: Thank
9: you for that, that's great. So, oh wait, the, the rapid fire again. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. yeah, lighting up, so that's your question.
2: This should be a little bit
3: more of a comment. I
1: question, please. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs>
7: Going, at end, yeah. Yeah, okay. um, yeah let us comment. <laughs> 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 I
3: think why it's, it makes sense, but there's also this side around more violence and more lynching and vigilante. Justice. We have that right now. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. uh, okay. You know, to the extent that justice is about retribution and revenge, that are happening. So unless we sever the idea of revenge and you wrong me, so the state now has to wrong you by arresting
5: you or executing you or whatever, I don't think we move very fast. Perhaps
9: tempering justice with compassion, or... Rest- restorative justice. Okay, yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> It's 3.54, just left. Hi. Thank you, guys, for the wonderful panel. I was wondering if anyone could speak to the um, intersections and parallels of uh, the drug war and sex work criminalization. I know someone brought that up briefly before, and uh, just wanted to see if anyone had any experience or
7: expertise on that. Last question. Yes. Uh, I just yeah. want to ask um, a yeah, uh, question yeah. we spoke about preparing the School of the Americas, but I think maybe one thing we believe now that the Room is located in five blocks north of here, and I think <laughs> how can we confront Pentagon, Pentagon. and military, whether it's in Palestine or Mexico? Uh, what, how can we cut the budget, say, you on know, militarization of police forces is direct military, not only domestically but internationally, um, Smaller maybe country. someone can use some inside on
8: okay we only have five minutes left so for those of us up here who are going to respond can we keep it short
9: yes yeah, so I want to answer a few of the questions around restorative justice and what happens when somebody punches me on the nose and all of those things. So I'm a policy person, right? I do policy work all day, every day. And so I'm very pragmatic. I'm also an abolitionist. I don't think the cops need to exist. I don't think prisons need to exist. And I think that we can take slow and measured steps towards that, right? Like Patrice said, like, that this shit's not going to happen tomorrow, right? And we can, you know, like, we need – oh, sorry – Slow. Um, we need to take slow and pragmatic steps, and for me, doing policing reform work, that means what are the reforms that actually shrink police departments, right? What are reforms that shrink those budgets? Don't fucking get me started on body cameras. Yeah. Don't even get me started on how much money that is. How many corporations are are like showing are doing the lobbying to sell that product to police departments, right? So I don't think. We have to know right now what's going to happen when somebody punches you in the nose to believe that this system is unjust and there needs to be an alternative, and that we need to figure out as we go on. I'll keep it at that. I have so much more to say. I just uh, wanted to answer the question about
2: the. the sex- That's uh, kind of what I got through most of the response. Was not much of an answer. Supposed to try to imagine this world without police, and the only way I can imagine that is a world where we all agree to compromise through mediators somehow. And I just don't think it's ever going to happen. I agree that we need to reduce policing. I agree there needs to be more community involvement and more uh, neighbor-to-neighbor involvement. But uh, I still want to have some police. I want the police to deal with guys with guns and rapists and thieves and guys that want to punch me in the face i think we should keep cops for that we're back with the final segment right after this
0: this is the russ bellville show on cannabisradio.com.
2: this is radical russ encouraging you to take a look at the weed blog every day Johnny Green and the staff at The Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get The Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing The Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on The Weed Blog, including my original writing. So don't delay. Read The Weed Blog today.
1: This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org supported by our donors and Hemp Inc. Poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce 10 times The energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com.
0: The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while, share.
7: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Final segment here on a Friday. And don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour, stoner Jesus will bless you with his stony goodness and fill you with the Holy Spirit. So fill you with something, I'm sure. We're going to close things off here with a message from Snoop Dogg, Snoop D-O double jizzle. He was on the Jimmy Kimmel program last night, and uh, they are promoting Omaze. It's the uh, red promotion to help uh, combat AIDS throughout the world. And various celebrities are giving away various special situations, like uh, Tom Brady will let you snap him a ball. Football, for example. Uh, So Snoop Dogg has a very special offer, and I really hope we get to cover this offer. Come 4:20, check it out. This is Snoop Dogg on Jimmy Kimmel Live last night.
7: Tell us what your Omaze experience is. My Omaze experience will
10: be for a lucky fan to come to Denver, Colorado on 4:20 and have a smoking experience with me. (laughs)
7: calling
4: this uh, is it a mary jane wellness retreat a wellness retreat yes so
10: we're trying to get you well and and jimmy i brought you a gift because i want you to get well too oh you
4: did yes so you're part of our team now so i is this oh what is this a necklace yeah i love necklaces oh this is going to be perfect for me thank you very much We're selling jewelry now. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm selling everything. How did this happen? Hey, man, everything got to go, man. <laughs> you, <gotta laughs> you, go. Talk. you know, when you when you get a prescription for medical marijuana here in California, you have to get a doctor. To what do you tell the doctor is your ailment that you require? I'm gonna share this with you because I love you. Oh, thank you. Migraines. <laughs> Migraines. <laughs> Thank you Snoop Dogg Thank you for the beautiful necklace If you want to bid on Snoop's Mary Jane Wellness Retreat Go to omaze.com
2: Congratulations there Uh, You can go to omaze.com And uh, learn more about Snoop's Wellness Retreat And uh, you bid on this, but it's like a a raffle, so uh, everybody has a chance to win. It's not like whoever bids the most wins. Although I think if you bid more, you get more chances to win. But anybody could win this thing. We'll certainly be in Denver for 420. We'll see if we can get Snoop Dogg on the show. That'll be a lot of fun. That's all the time we got this week. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you coming over and joining us at CannabisRadio.com, your source for the best in marijuana talk radio programming. I'm Radical Russ, live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon, right here at Rolla J Studios, thanking you for being here, supporting the show, and fighting for marijuana legalization. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
0: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Rust Belville show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com.
6: You
3: take a scene,
6: you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. goes